Hey, Pranushers, welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Bruce from Printavo. We've got a very special episode. Why? Because it's us two hanging out. We've got a lot to catch up on, actually. And every time we start talking, I have to ask you to stop because I want to save it for the podcast. <laughs> every time I call you with my late night, oh, crap moments, you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa wait, just save it. <laughs> yeah, because it's, it's, it's really good. I mean, it's stuff that a lot of people are dealing with. So... um couple recap things real quick though before we jump in uh just working on a guest for next week uh, and john amato's business coach um he let me uh get an intro interested about that he said some very cool things on the phone that i was like all right stop 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 (laughs) he said okay okay here i'll let me pull my notes and i'll tell you uh the one sentence because it's a good little teaser for next week People have a tough time doing two things. Number one, beating themselves up. And number two, not knowing what to spend their time on. And then he followed it up. Yes. Like saying, oh, you know, I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing enough. Right. And just being very hard on yourself. But he followed it up with a banger, which I thought was if people give up 80% of the things that they're doing, he thought they would be wildly more successful. They gave and up 80% like, of the things that you're doing. Yep, that's 100% probably right. Yeah, day to day. So um, I was like, all right, stop, stop, stop. This is good. Thank you for the pre-interview. Uh, we've got a lot to dive in next week. So anyway, awesome. So I got a ton of topics to go with you on today. First of all, Ryan Kasperian's podcast last week, I wasn't really there because my internet was a wash. Um, but he said that, uh, there was that, that clip that producer Chris put on, which was, uh, you want to, you want to say it again? Well, um, I basically, I think I asked Ryan, you know, what are shop owners doing wrong or how involved should they be in production? And he made this claim and to preface, I asked him about a two auto shop. Um, but for, uh, quick purposes, he basically said, if you're an owner and you're too far deep into production, it's like putting your finger into a fan. It hurts and you shouldn't do it. And it caused this massive uproar on Instagram, massive quotes. Uh, but a bunch of people like fought back right away. And uh, mm-hmm. I thought that was super interesting. What kind of feedback did you get, Bruce? I was reading through the comments too. And, and part the first part of me was like, let me think if, if I know these people, I'm just thinking about their shop and how they run it. And there are definitely some success, very successful, very lean teams there. But I know that when I've talked to people that they've also been very burnt out. So I, I don't, you know, I, I don't I, know. I, I think the reason it caused such an uproar is because it was like a knock. It like not, it was like, a, it like a straight to the heart. It was like a dagger. And there's probably some truth in that, and that's probably why it hurt the most, and it probably incited some emotions. Um, granted, yes, there are shop owners that are amazing production managers, um, and there's shop owners that might be great HR managers and great salespeople and great marketers. Everyone has their different niche. I think the point being is sometimes, you know, owners that are too involved on the ground level solving problems that are not scalable or things that don't help them run and grow the business are, are things that just get stuck in the way. And it's like a waste of time almost, I think. Does that make sense? I, uh, the last four months, five months, um, been working on something big that we're going to announce maybe in a, in a month or so, a month or two. Um, and it has taken up an, an inordinate Am I saying that in an inordinate amount of time for me to be able to work on this big project? But uh, it's actually, it's pulled me out of the day to day. And we're, you know, started at uh, one person. We were at two people maybe four years ago. We're 27 people now. But there's still an element of me being in that day to day. And this project of spending so much time on it actually pulled me out because I could not physically be there handling the day to day. And 
actually things have been fine now and I literally don't go back in, but I don't want to spoil that because I want to go into it uh, a lot more later when I can actually talk about the project versus like some weird mythical thing. Um, Long Beach, Long Beach coming up. What, what's going on? <laughs> we'll be like in Long Beach. Last year too is that Long Beach wasn't canceled until they had to, which I don't think um, they have to this year, but. Chicago is Shitty. not a good spot right now. COVID is booming in Chicago um, for a lot of vaccinated people, which is good. They're just kind of getting it and getting it through them. It looks like MNR has pulled out of the show, which understandably, like if you're going to have to send 18 wheelers of equipment and your entire team of 40 to 50 people there, there's a lot of risk involved with that. So I, I completely see where they're coming from. Yeah. I don't think it necessarily means the whole show is a bust per se. Um, I think for a lot of us, we go to see our peers in the industry and we actually go to see some vendors that are just there as a couple people like, you know, the graphics guys are seeing market Douthit. So it's not that, you know, because MNR is gone, the show's a bust. Um, if I think it'll still happen, if uh, if everything is is okay, what are your thoughts, Bruce? We're gonna be there. Uh, I have a feeling that we're gonna be a leaned out team as well. You know, some people definitely have different risk tolerances. Uh, I'm excited to hang out. I'm excited to be there. We're you know we're bringing the power scheduler. The team's been working really really hard on this um, to get it done by Long Beach, and it, I shouldn't say done, but in people's hands to be usable. I said, I said, look, we need to get this thing sellable. <laughs> We've been working on, like, it took uh, maybe two years um, of engineering time <clears throat> to revamp the system, to, to redo the line item groups, to do the invoicing, to, to redo all this cruft, to then build the power scheduler on top of. So... Uh, this is the this is the cutoff period. It's like if it doesn't make the cut, like this is you. We can add it later. It's fine. It's not like this is forever. But um, I do know MNR is pulled out. Um, I think Enetol's TBD. Workhorse said they're still in. Rock said they're just looking at downsizing. And am I missing somebody? I'm sorry if I am. MHM. I haven't. I. I'm not super familiar with the team there, so someone will have to come. Bruce, what about like uh, SNS, Sanmar? Have you talked to anyone over there? They they have not gone. The majority of them, Sanmar had a small uh, booth, a smaller, I shouldn't say small. It was bigger than ours. A smaller <laughs> booth than they normally do at Fort Worth. So I got to imagine they're going to do something at Long Beach if they were there. And that was a shaky time too. So... Yeah, I mean, we're going to be there. We've heard of a lot of shops that are going. It's just uh, it's getaway time. So I, we're not canceling flights or hotels or anything yet. We're actually bringing uh, 10 people from our team. It was kind of a, a reward for us to go if we had uh, hit our goals. And so for me to take that away from the team would be a little tough. So whether or not Long Beach happens, we are going to Long Beach, and if it ends up being our corporate retreat getaway that we have to go work on things for a couple days, we're we're going to Cali. That's cool. So, you do a lot of that stuff. Yeah, I, th I think it's important. Uh, I think you know Brett Bowden kind of says it best: is like no one loves the day to day, every day in the grind, uh, and it's important to reward employees with with those different experiences. Um, and those experiences are important to our team that that creates camaraderie you know if it's a couple thousand dollars of flights and a couple thousand dollars of hotels if our sales team can be you know more motivated or more activated to make a couple more cold calls or close a couple more orders or be more price conscious about something it will pay itself off mm -hmm. and uh just from going part of my experience is seeing other shops bring their teams and me thinking, hey, one day I want to bring my team. So the Campus Inc. team will be there in full stride. If you see us, say hi. Um, yeah, we're excited. Yeah, we. Uh, yeah, that's something I think you do very well. That um, is, I guess we talked about that rehiring aspect, right? Of keeping people enticed and motivated, and especially when more people are in the office or at home or back and forth, you know, it's not as much of a vibe. Yeah. I us. mean, we do random acts of kindness for our customers. Do we do it for our employees? 
Um, you know, I think if you take a portion of your payroll and take one or two percent of that and say, I'm going to just spend it on my staff for their own well-being and happiness, um, I think that goes such a long way. And uh, you see it in bigger companies and perks and stuff. Um, but it, it is true that, uh, you know, if, if you if someone's in a tough role and you can do something that is just an experience or notable for them, they'll work so much harder for you because of it. And it doesn't take much to do it. I mean, this is a big trip for us. Um, but, you know, I was listening to, to uh, Vlad's podcast that you did with him, Printing on Main Street, and he's like, you know, I just bring lunch in a lot, and they appreciate it. It's one less thing they have to worry about. So, yeah, I think that that's, uh, that's big. Bruce, you guys did a bunch of swag boxes for your employees. Mm-hmm. Super cool. Um, uh, that like Sanmar, um, what the heck is it called? It's that Sanmar jacket that has, it's like really fluffy. It looks like a dog. Yes, it's like a Sherpa fleece. Anyway, yeah, yeah, there we go. <laughs> Sherpa fleece. We got a bunch of stuff just for the holiday sense because we didn't have a holiday party this year. We're going to do something a little bit later to kick off next year. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll figure that out. I. I wanted to do a sort of two-day retreat thing. Last time we did two days, but it was two days of activities. It was too much. So this one was, yeah, it was like a marathon of activities. But this one was, I'm thinking, the first day we all worked together, but in a different location. So, you know, it just keeps people stimulated. It'll bring in lunch. And obviously, it's not going to be 100% work. But, you know, the morning, a couple hours of work. And afternoon, same thing. And then maybe a dinner. And then uh, maybe one activity or a sports game or something. It, it's almost like you're doing your own little print hustlers for your team. Actually, that's a really good idea. And then bring in some sort of speaker. Like, just, just one. And then you do two days and... Uh, you know, five each day, but yeah, that's not a bad idea. Somebody, maybe somebody that's running a cool, but it's just something doing something really interesting. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, a motivational speaker, someone outside the industry to come talk to them. Um, we use, you know, we rely on Kevin Baumgart a lot to do like, Hey, can you do a working hour with us? Um, you know, or we've done it with, uh, with Aaron Draplin before, um, that's a really easy way to engage employees outside of work is, is to do those kind of things. I didn't know this was an HR podcast, but yeah, th Oops. those are your ideas. Okay. Uh, I've got on here fulfillment woes uh, as the bullet point. So you called and you said, right before I told you to stop, <laughs> you said, all right, we're done in-house fulfillment. We're subbing it all out to uh, a partner. Can we just like break all of this down? Ooh, I'm going to get hit up real hard for this. Uh, Campus Inc. runs some different types of fulfillment. One of the types of fulfillment we do is like year-round fulfillment on Shopify. Mm -hmm. um, and these are brands that we manage through licensing. And our fourth quarter was insane. I think we ship out just on the Shopify side about 35,000 uh, 35, orders a year. Um, so like pick, pack, ship, and that doesn't include like online stores and pre-orders. That's a whole nother side of it. I want to mm -hmm. say last year, probably like 15,000 unique orders there. So we made a decision that we want to engage with a 3PL third party logistics company to handle all of our year round fulfillment because it is not what we're good at and it doesn't scale. Meaning... I just have to get more warehouse space and more pickers and packers and manage inventory through an ERP more. And it's really, really, really hard. Um, so much so to the point that we went with a really you know, notable company in the industry for warehouse management. It was like two grand a month. We paid a ton for them to fly out and implement it. And five days before shipping cutoff, we had to shut it down and move everything oh over to ShipStation. Oh, it so was so happened? janky. I mean, like, what? Because I know you had some 2 a.m. nights there I saw on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, essentially, the system could not handle – there were too many bugs in the system that it couldn't handle the load that we were giving it. And so our team was getting out, like, 500 orders a day. 
and then like 800 would come in and there would be like orders with bugs. Uh, essentially, we were trying to hybrid manufacturing and warehouse management mm-hmm. so that we could use the same blank across several different stores. And we had a team just solving bugs in the system where orders were getting hung up and they wouldn't even notify us that they needed to be shipped. So we discovered it like, like I said, four or five days before shipping cutoff, which was like we said December 17th was our ship cutoff. Um, and there were like 600 orders that were just floating in space. And Adam had been literally in Champagne day and night for the last month. And he kind of just was like, it's not going to work. It's broken. It, the system sucks. Um, and so we had to go all hands on deck to transition it out, figure out all the inventory that we had, both blank and finished. Um, it was a couple late nights. And, uh, and you set up racks it, and everything. Yeah. And I mean, the bins and, and stuff are there. The bins are going to be used because, you know, the bins are going to be used still. And our goal is to be able to hold blanks here. Mm-hmm. And then ship finished blanks to a 3PL. Um, you know, we're not using ShipBob, but ShipBob is the best best example of, of one that, you know, of how it works. And then once it hits their facility, within two days, it's ready to actually ship out. Every item has to be individually bagged and barcoded. Um, and that, so wait, there they is, do that or you do that before no, you send it over? No, we still do that. So oh. basically when shirts come off the press, they'll get folded Mm-hmm. polybagged and they'll get a barcode and that skew will then get sent over to the 3pl that will then be on their shelves um but i was thinking about it and i'm like who am i to be to try and be better than these ro- robotic warehouses that literally like have millions and billions of dollars invested in yeah. 3pl fulfillment sure i think if we tried to say we're going to do it ourselves to save money, I quickly realized that we would lose a ton of money. We would not be as accurate and I would want to pull my hair out. <laughs> yeah. What, what is the, do you have like a rough pricing structure of working with the three PLs? Like, is it just a pick and ship model X dollars or you pay for a square feet yeah. of theirs? Or so there, there's different models and different pricing. A lot of it is based on volume. So we know that our stores will do X amount this year. So we can forecast so they know that we're a qualified customer. Um, It's not just like, oh, you can send them 10 orders to ship out. Mm -hmm. So you pay for what's called like storage space. So every item on their shelf is going to be charged basically rent to stay there. Um, Some 3PLs do it by like bins. Some do it by cubic foot. Um, So for instance, a T-shirt will cost, um, or like a a cube of storage, it's nine cents per square foot per month of storage. So we'll probably end up paying two to $3,000 a month in storage fees. Um, that's going to be, that's like, you were paying that for the software. So we were paying rent for the software. So I I was like, I don't really care. And then they charge per order. They charge a picking fee. Mm -hmm. And so they'll say it's going to be a couple bucks per pick. And then for every additional item, it's going to be a certain amount right? Mm -hmm. And then the shipping is just calculated through Shopify. So believe it or not, you're actually able to charge a handling fee on Shopify, add basically the picks so that you're basically breaking even to use a 3PL at the scale that we're doing it with, right? Um, And then they handle returns, they charge a fee for returns, um, but they're, you know, they want to see a minimum of 3000 orders out a month. So what do you mean Um, by breaking even? So what I mean by that is, um, you know, they're going to charge per order like two bucks just off the top for a picking price. Mm -hmm. And they're going to charge you for shipping. So that's your handling fee and your shipping. That's your handling fee. So on Shopify, you can add a handling fee. um, And then you can add, you can build in shipping. So um, you basically can set it all up so that you sweat off that dollar amount. Um, you don't really incur that fee. So the um, money then is made off of you printing all the goods for them and charging them a premium to do this. Correct. With the brands that we're running, we're retailing, right? And so we're able to sell a T-shirt for $25 a piece, and we'll be able to stock the inventory um, in the 3PLs 
for them to fulfill. It's no different than Fulfilled by Amazon. Very similar, very, very similar world. Um, and, and pretty unfamiliar to our industry because we usually try to do it all on our, on our own. Yeah. Um, I do know that there are some 3PLs that you could send a CSV of an online store. So say you ran a Printavo merch store, you could export it, ship all the products to them, and they would do all the bagging and tagging. Um, and that there are services out there that do that if you look hard enough. So for me, it was just this light bulb that says fulfillment does not scale. I have to make sure I have another source for it. Like it is a limiting factor. I can't get an infinite amount of warehouse space and it takes our employees away from marketing and sales, which is what we're good at. You know? Well, and if you're paying per square foot two to three K, I got to imagine the square foot at your place plus the cost of the employees plus your time plus the software was what? Two X more? I don't want to know what it was a lot more. <laughs> um, and the error rate too, right? Um, you know, with them, with the 3PL, they're using, you know, robots and proper warehousing. Like we are, you know, still Jimmy rigging it together. It's not perfect. So we still are going to have our fulfillment area for storing blanks. And we still are going to have to individually bag and put a label on everything. But we will not have to do the actual picking of the orders. Um, so, so you're forecasting the usage of blanks to stock that for a specific store and you're yep. forecasting really how much to ship to the 3PL for them to be able to ship out. And then you're kind of watching it and maybe after a month you tell them to ship it back or whatever. Yeah. And we look, we forecast and say, okay, if, if one brand does 200 grand a year, right. Mm-hmm. And uh, last year we spent, you know, 50 grand on blanks. We can afford to put twenty five, thirty thousand dollars of inventory on their shelves, um, and know that as long as the store performs at least what it did last year, we should be fine. Um, and I think it's scary in our industry because we're not an inventory based in- industry. We take pre orders, we buy from Sanmar SNS Alpha, the shirts come exactly you know with that amount, and we ship that out. There's not much left over, but if you look at almost every other retail business, there's always inventory risks and forecasting. And I look at it like a gas station always has to have M&Ms on their shelf. Um, And they have to have every type of candy as well, even if no one buys like payday bars or whatever. Right. So it's, it's kind of the same equation, but uh, we're trying to bring in staff that really understands warehousing inventory, like specialists in that because it's it's something that I'm not even qualified to do. So, yeah. So we're throwing it out. We're starting over. And I think the biggest lesson learned is if it's continually broken and you're trying to fix it, it's okay to just hit the pause button and reset. That was a big pill for me to swallow, but I couldn't see it continue to go on that way. Or Adam. <laughs> yeah. Adam was burning the oil. <clears throat> yeah, you guys were there very late nights. Yeah, I think like your employees lose trust when the system is constantly breaking too, right? Um, and their team was even like making and they're stressed about out it. and sure. Yeah, so we're just like, okay, we have to do this for them. Um, and I'm pleased to say, like, we're down to like our last fifty orders of just issues now of mostly items we can't get, but um, we made it through. <laughs> um, yeah, that's fulfillment. Um, but That's it's not cool. to say – here's the thing. Like I was listening to this talk by someone that says when you're trying to grow your business, sometimes you have to do things that don't scale or don't make sense or might be a little crazy and they might feel manual and they might feel like no way can we continue to do this. But had I not gone into a warehouse management system, invested that money, failed miserably, I would have never thought, okay, now I'm ready for the next – next, you know, the next thing that we're going to do. So it's not to say shop should shy from it. You just know that you're going to unpack an onion that might fail miserably, but that's okay. You know, it's super interesting too is, uh, cause it could be easy to say, Oh, I, I should have just jumped in and worked with a partner right away. Like, what are we doing being this? But you could have easily have used that partner. And then two years down the road said, Oh my gosh, we're paying this for for all this stuff. Like we could easily bring this in house. Let's start bringing it in house. And then, I mean, you just do the reverse. Right. Right. But I think it goes back to, and this is still on the DTF world, you know, do things, 
you try some things out. Some things are going to work. Some things aren't going to work. You'll pivot, try it again, break it, and 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 then grow from there. And oh, so, speaking of which, if, can you give the uh, print fam a DTF update? DTF experiment is in progress. We have uh, decided to part ways with DTF one, and we are working now on DTF two with a different organization. I will just leave it at that. Um, we were really fortunate that we were given the opportunity to beta and test uh, one of the DTFs. It was not a right fit for us, and the technology was not where it should be. And so, full disclosure, I decided to part ways with that and say we're going to try a different route. I still firmly believe DTF is the future, so much so that I did sell my DTG. Um, but uh, the piece of equipment that we got was just not ready for industry, and I didn't... I, there were a couple things on it that I didn't like or were non-negotiables. Um, one of which was I really needed a warm peel, not a cold peel. And two, um, clear adhesive um, was just not where it needs to be. So we actually switched to a powdered unit, um, and we're currently calibrating it right now, and we'll see how it goes. That whole thing was happening while we were trying to figure out fulfillment. So my morning started with <laughs> battling a DTF. My afternoons, trying to get my work DTF done. Godzilla. And then in the evenings, it was like, try to figure out fulfillment. So um, that was my December. There. Yeah, that was my December. How was yours, Bruce? <laughs> December. Uh, hmm, that's a good question. Man, honestly, the team has just been trying to crank to get this this power scheduler out. Like, it's just like, it, it, to be honest, it's such a holdup for new shops getting started because they're like, oof, I can't use the calendar. Like, how, how is this going to work? And then, you know, I mean, it's no secret for current customers. They need it too. Like, the calendar also doesn't scale uh, like once you just get start getting really busy and start cranking. So um, just having the team focus as much as possible, but then it's like merch has kind of fallen to the side a bit, right? Where it's like we have a limited team of call it eight engineers, and obviously we're trying to hire for more, but they, uh, you know, it's just, it's tricky because it's like, okay, core, everything core, work on, like, improve shop management. We, we got to get there. We got to improve it. Oh, there goes merch falling over. And I think it's just, like, it's it's literally, like, doing too much. It's like what you said, right? It's like, okay, we've got this, we've got this, and we've got warehousing. Like, we're not, we're not this. So I don't know if it's bringing in a consulting company. Um, I think it's honestly just a question of scale. Like we are behind five people probably. And I'm, and if, I'm hoping the new year will. If shops think hiring is hard right now, hiring engineers and hiring, because an engineer, sucks. once you hire so them, tough. it takes six months to a year to get them ready to code. And that's the other thing, right? Like our team is really, really good and they can run laps around a lot of people because they're so like high end, you know, one, it's, it's just like, I'm think of your a player at your shop, right? Like who's your a player? That person is probably what three times an okay person as far as just being reliable, um, being there gets the job done. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to follow up on a task. And that's the same thing for engineers. It's just, you know, we're competing with uh, the the Facebooks and Stripes and um, all that good stuff. But anyway, the usual woes. It's, I don't think it's like you're hiring can... brain surgeons. I mean, but yeah. like companies like Shopify is like their goal was we're hiring 2,000 engineers in 2021. They said they were hiring tw they said we're hiring 2,021 engineers in 2021. That was their their theme, and it's clear this this problem never stops. It's just a it's just a larger problem. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, Bruce, some uh, there are there are some third parties out there. I don't know any who might be doing this, building apps for Printavo. Oh. And there there yeah. was some discussion about whether or not you know like Printavo like that didn't like that. Or is this on Facebook might, groups? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, does that take you guys away from your roadmap? Um, you know, I might know a few people who are working on a couple. Uh, shameless plug. But uh, tell me about that because 
Shopify is an ecosystem, right? Apple is an ecosystem. Do you imagine Printavo to be an ecosystem? I, if you signed up for the platform a year and a half ago, you probably saw apps on the side and that little sidebar. And then, you know, the team canned it because there was no apps. It was merch app singular. You made the first app. Yeah, it's true. I, look, I think, um, well, I, I didn't work on that. That was, that was the Peter and Neil really kicking that one off. But the, but the whole premise is for sure. Like this is where we're, this is where outside of our industry is already at, right? Even down to the Asana tools and Monday and, um, of course, Shopify and uh, your phone. I mean, there's app stores. It's, it, people just want to build and solve their own problems. And no software will do every single thing you want it to do because your use case is different than somebody else's. But more than that, or else it'll be like a... SAP or Salesforce or something, and it'll be a behemoth, and it'll be horrible to use. Um, anyway, it's been going good. I, honestly, I love when I know you've got apps. I know Neil's got apps. I know Justin's like helping you guys on another app, the Automate.inc. Then there's Printflow, and then there's Matt Marcotte's um, check-in uh, tool, DecoFlow. Um, so there's just like an insane amount of apps and I, I try to help all the developers that do want to build stuff. There's an app that integrates Printable to zero. Uh, so anyway, we'll leave a link down below because I've tried to collect them all to put them into like one help doc so people can find them. But no, it doesn't distract our roadmap at all. Um, we have to improve scheduling. Our big three is scheduling, purchasing, analytics. And so we're going to still work on those regardless. But more than that, People are always going to solve their own niche. This is what I wanted is to have that app store. Uh, so I, in fact, we have a new API that's been worked on for about a year now that that's also going to get released and it allows for more development and customization. That's just, this is like stuff that literally is outside of our industry is so common for, for websites and everything else. And I know people use other apps, so I know you see it. So... I'm pumped. I'm really excited about it. And I want to help promote it too. So if you guys are building something, you want to release it, and you want us to help promote it, send me a link, bruceatprintavo.com. I'd love to be able to send it out to everybody and have everybody test it out. As long as it's not super buggy, maybe we'll put up a little beta notice. <laughs> yeah, as long as it's not buggy. I, I think the interesting part is like, yeah, we've been working on a couple tools, and the amount of bugs you run into is crazy when you're building your own stuff. I am glad, actually, that the more people building things to it is, is and it never stops because people want more from you. You add it, that creates more bugs, and then you fix them. And it's just this circular cycle. It's not bad. It's just it's natural. It's not a one-time thing by any means. You t you talked about Salesforce. We are on month eleven of our Salesforce build. How's that? We're uh, we're still not live. <laughs> is there a target launch date uh the target launch date is i'm the hold up right now it's like i have our engineers working on it and then they require a bunch of stuff from us and then i'm doing dtf or fulfillment and wasting time on things i shouldn't be wasting time on and when i should be spending time on salesforce and uh that's a cyclical thing as well is that um, therapeutic to say that out loud yeah, I mean, it's no different than the Ryan Kasperian's comment. The things I should be working on, I'm not working on because I'm I'm tied into things that are like low things that don't scale. These problems that should be solved yeah. um, by others, um, and those are just like those are the high level problems that I'm demanded for now that are really tough to solve. That I might be the only one that can do, and that's that's paralyzing for sure. Um, so, you know, it's interesting. Um, I wanted to take a detour in here and I, and I know I didn't give you time to think about this. So if, if it's choppy, then Chris can help us out. But I want, this is literally the last episode of 2021. So we're recording this December 27th. We're a little behind. Whoa. That's okay. We're, we're catching back up. And 
So I was starting to think about this last year and stuff that did well or didn't do well. Just to just to like a quick highlight things. And it could be a riff back and forth or just as many as you could think of. But things that went well where? Business, life, anything that relates to the shop. Hmm. Things that went well, um, I hired admins, a lot of them, um, professional admins with Chelsea Brinkley's VA firm. And that went really well and gave me some of my life back. Um, Who we would have, you hire them for? Uh, for Campus Inc., for like basically building online stores, basic bookkeeping, accounts receivable, payroll, just general admin things that are repetitive that need done. We hired full-time VAs in the States, um, and they have been oh, a godsend. Um, a couple of them are full-time now, but wow. a lot of them started at 20 hours a week and um, have just scaled up. And that has worked really well for us because uh, you actually have professionals that know what they're doing, that have experience. They're not under your roof, which means you don't, they don't have to talk to you all day, every day, so they can focus on their work and you can focus on theirs. Um, and it's, it's okay that they're slightly disconnected from the business. You know, they, don't, they don't have to deal with the everyday like, distractions. That worked for us at Campus Inc. this year, and I will continue to do that 100%. I actually have my, my first item when I was thinking about it, I was just like jotting down notes as so assistant hire. Um, we use a service. We did a different one. We use a service called Belay, B-E-L-A-Y. I think it's B-E-L-A-Y.com. Let me Belay, BelaySolutions.com. That's what it is. Uh, and basically you pay for 45 hours a week, I think is the minimum. It's or 45 18, hours a month, a month. I'm sorry, a month. You it's $1,800. And so it's kind of expensive on the hourly side. It comes out to 40 ish an hour or so, but they're sort of trained as they come to you. So that helps they're vetted. They're already interviewed and they're ready to go. We had a lady who was with us for about a year, year and a half, and she just left to, she, she's doing a little career shift. She was great. But what I think now not having her while she's being replaced for the last couple of weeks made me actually, no, no, I'm sorry, seven days because it was the 20th was her last day. It made me realize how awesome having her was. So before having her as an assistant, it, uh, you know, I would do everything. And, and not only that, but I felt that having an assistant was silly. It's like, what do you mean? I, I should be doing this. Why would I spend money on that? And I listened to a podcast by their founder that I'll drop a link down below so that you guys can listen to on what an assistant can do to help and just different ideas. And the main premise was they can help you with your personal and professional life. And because you are a business owner and you may have a team, maybe not, and it's just you, you're really, really busy and always thinking about the business. And so give yourself more free time to either relax and take time off or to give yourself more time to work, right? So when something happens and I need to do something or or I needed something, uh, here's some goofy examples I'll give you that are more personal that 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 was but but was really helpful flights anything flights wise it doesn't have to be work related it could be personal related so my wife wants to go on a vacation and she wants to get out and book you know and and go to a place okay cool hey can you help just research pick a couple different hotels send them to me um pick the flights book them you give them all your personal credit card info and they'll book it all um, let them know what kind of seat preference you like, okay? And then uh, find some activities. Here's the stuff that we like. And they just set things up for you. And I would even use that, though, at nighttime. So it's like, sure, we're hanging out. It's after dinner. I could book this this stuff. I could spend 30, 45 minutes doing it. But no, I'll still send it, and she'll get it done in the morning. And then it'll be great and I don't have to worry about it and we can just focus on ourselves and not having to do that kind of stuff. And it really, I think, just lifted a weight off my shoulders. I, I, what are, I'm trying to think of other like 
good. You know, there's random crap you're always ordering on Amazon for the team. <laughs> it, you know, it's just like, I remember one time I was sitting in the car, we were driving to a shop after a trade show and I was trying to order a mouse, right? We had a new hire start. And I'm sitting on Amazon for 10 minutes trying to order this mouse because I'm like, okay, he wants a good mouse, but like some of these mice are $100. Like, do you spend $100 on a mouse? Like, that seems ridiculous. Should it be USB or should it be like Bluetooth Wi-Fi, right? And then <laughs> Jason, our VP of sales, was like, dude, what are you doing? Like, just send this to Bell. Why are you, like, why are you spending time ordering a mouse? Are you kidding me? And you know, it, it, it's things like that where you're so trained to just do it and, and having them... To, to really funnel things off and then the team using them like, hey, um, my thing broke or this happened. I don't want to think about that. So that was a rant, but I feel like that was that was probably the number one for 2021. So, Bruce, we both hired personal assistants this year, but they both no longer work here <laughs> for you or me. Um, we, we succeeded in some and in some it – and it, I think it's because – it's really hard to figure out the personality of a CEO or an owner of a company and to put up with them. I think I'm the problem, right? Like I'm difficult to deal with. It's hard to know how I'm going to respond. My hours are wonky. Um, so that's, uh, I think to, to one part, we understand the value of it this year. We saw instances and glimpses of it working really well, but I think, uh, on the other side, like retention, that was a, an issue for me. Um, definitely. And how do you how do you make them? I think there's things that I didn't help make her most effective, uh, as well. So I think one thing was I should give more direct feedback. So for example, when I when I ask for something, you know, just sort of acknowledging that that it's being worked on. And she would get it, and she's already working on it. But because I didn't see anything that was like, got it, or like a check mark or anything, I'm like, I, in my head, I'm thinking, okay, they didn't get it's it. I got like, I got to send it again, and I got to think about it. So now I'm thinking about their stuff, thinking about my stuff. All um, for a computer mouse. Yeah, it's just, dude, I have so many. And and I think that, that paranoia, stuff. that trust factor, like you're trusting someone with something so close as your, like your inbox or your schedule or your travel and. And, you know, I give, uh, I give JLo, Justin Lawrence, a lot of credit because yeah, him and Tess have an amazing out. thing going um, as far as, like, her understanding him and how they've worked together and all that. And he says, he'll say, like, yeah, she's our rock, you know. Um, so, Tess, Justin, if you're listening to it, it is Justin Lawrence's birthday today. Oh, um, snap. Happy birthday. I'll yeah, shoot him a text. You can text him. Um, all right. Something we did – something I did bad um, – Something I did bad. 2021 uh, production is still not where I'd like it to be from a stability and leadership standpoint. Um, we tried to keep an employee around that was not working in an, in a management position, and I should have cut it a lot sooner, and I strung them along, and I think because of that, it created a lot of scar tissue. Um, we're okay right now. We've hired like some really good key players and key roles, but we still don't have the general manager of ops that um, can run production to the level that I'm looking for. We've taken someone kind of out of sales that was just an amazing leader to help guide the business during the interim, um, but we have not, that is still a hole and something I didn't do well this year. Uh, I think I took my foot off of it and didn't worry about it, and then it became a problem from a personnel standpoint. Not good 2021. That's fair. We've What's got a good you episode that this you year, Bruce? That. Um, one big one. I got this post-it note. I'm going to get it. What's up? Oh, boy. Okay, so on this post-it note by uh, AKT, thank you for the, for the notes. Um, so... One thing I haven't been the best at from a leadership perspective is giving direct feedback. I'll kind of sugarcoat it because I don't like as much of direct, like, that sucked. I didn't like that, you know? Uh, and, I, and, I, and I realize that it's okay then, and sometimes it's okay long-term, but other times it literally comes back to bite you in the butt because you didn't say exactly what you wanted, and it, like, sort of festers. 
Um, and I've had that with some products that we've put out where I've only given feedback later on when it's like, dude, why didn't you just tell us earlier type of situation? And I end up just doing the work and that causes more problems um, versus trying to uh, give more direct feedback early. And then I think on top of that, uh, I also didn't say, like, what exactly do I want out of this? Like, what exactly do I want out of you? I need you to do X, Y, Z. And I try to, though, balance that with this is what I would like you to be thinking about to try to let them solve for it. But I think it's a balance of, hey, I need this from you and then let them sort of think in addition to it, if that makes sense. And um, a few examples is just honestly some of our, our product stuff that's come out was just I'm really stickler about design because I think that's the background that I came from is doing a lot of UI design and, and web design stuff. And so I'll get really, really detailed in there in the pixels and I'll be pissed off that, not pissed off, but I'll be a little bit angry in my head that, oh, shoot, and, uh, and I'll just jump in and do it. Whereas they could have done it. And then it also, I don't know the context of what they were working on because the team's not just me. Yeah. Anyway. I think, I think on that, sometimes I'll give my feedback too quickly to something. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm the hurricane. You might be like more passive. I'm probably a weakness of my years. I will give feedback too quickly and an employee could be working on something and take it the wrong way. Um, I'll definitely turn heads or piss people off. Um, not intentionally just because I am between things. And so I'll give my feedback and they'll be like, what the heck? I just spent all this time on this. I'll be like, no, it's, it's trash. Try again. Mm. Um, and so I think the feedback this year has been more, you know, like I never want employees to feel like they're bothering me, but sometimes I definitely give off like you are bothering me, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, and if I'm being bothered, I probably will let them know that they're bothering me mm -hmm. um, or will not give them their undivided attention. I think that's just due to a lot of waste of time where I'm not you know, spending genuine time with the people that I need to, and I'm just in passing. Um, I think the one other thing, though, that if I look at this year versus 2020 is I spent less time in the shop in 2021 than um, I did ever? in 20 ever. I mean, rare, like it became the norm that employees did not care whether I was in or not. Usually I was in because we were solving major fires fulfillment. Um, but, uh, beyond that employees did not expect that I came in every day. And in fact, Jed, people, you know, might ask where's Steven or Steven coming by and Jed would say things like, why does it matter? We want him zeroed in on the things he needs to be doing. Um, and it kind of, uh, it was liberating this year because up until this year, and obviously I got married, I've got my shop in Champaign. I've got, I live in Chicago and me being in two places and, and trying to handle that all and make people happy, just it will not work. And so this year, I think finally our team is behind it and I'm behind. I do not need to be here every single day, nor am I the best value add when I'm actually here. So I'd give that, I'll give that a, a thumbs up for 2021. That's a big one. I got to say also, we've talked a bunch about traction but if you haven't read the book, definitely get the book. I'm going to put a link down below so you can get the book and make it easier so you don't have an excuse. But um, that system, I don't know how long it's going to scale for, but it works really, really, really well right now to, to have a long-term plan for the team and for us to have a North Star. So then I could say, all right, guys, 2022 – Here's, here's the top number one metric is this revenue amount. Okay, cool. That's good. But probably doesn't matter to everybody. So here's the number of shops we want to have on the platform. And then here's what this means for your team and your team and your team. And this is how we have weekly meetings to build to that, to know if we are behind or ahead. And I feel like it keeps us all rowing sort of at the same pace. I think the thing that I didn't do well about that is you have to be on traction. You build what's called a scorecard, which is literally a weekly thing. And every department has their metrics, a couple of them, that build to that top line metric. 
you have to be on that silly scorecard because if you just let it go for a month and you forget it and all the numbers are like not up to date and people aren't thinking about it anymore, like if you're not driving it forward, it, it, it really falls off. And to be honest, it fell off the last two months. So uh, I'll, I'll say on the flip side in 2021, I built my scorecard successfully and, and it ran almost perfectly through December. I mean, Bruce, you've what, sat on your, a couple of meetings. You're from your uh, projections? Uh, it's called, no, the trackable sheet where I do my every other week meeting and every lead has to input their revenue numbers and expenses. But people kept and using like. it though when, you know, if you get busy or you can't make the call. Whether or not we had a meeting, trackables was filled out every single week. Wow. Um, and that was, uh, that was big for us because I can quickly figure out, I can look at it and have a good idea and say, hey, I know we did this here this year. So I think one of the things that we focused on this year, whether it wasn't as much profit, that's something we really need to focus on in 2022, but it was having financial clarity, knowing how much you spend on different things, cleaning up your chart of accounts, allocating things to the right accounts and not living in like this, am I making money or am I not? We were putting up some mega numbers. Was that you was guys po- doing that, that clarity of it? Or was there a firm that you used to? Um, we might have to bring him on the, on the podcast, but um, was working with, with Nick, um, who's actually getting his MBA in print shop profitability and print mm. shop. And it, it was awesome. And he helped create a model for us to know what our break even was. Um, and it wasn't up until like November this year. Um, cause like I said, we we're putting up massive numbers and I'm like, are we making money? Or are we not? Um, profit first sometimes breaks down when you've got a lot of accounts receivable and we were throwing these massive orders and our accounts receivable, we could be like $250,000 of POs that we know we're going to get paid on. And so I would always kind of live in this, oh, crap, are we okay? Are we not okay? Are we okay? And I think finally I can say, hey, I know what our break-even is every month. I know how much we spend every day. Um, That was a a good for us. Um, We'll have to get him on. I know he's building on his, like, thesis. It's insane. It's really, (laughs) really cool. Um, I think one thing we probably didn't do well this year is, like, waste supplies like chemistry, chemicals, ink. We bought way too much stuff and the wrong stuff. And I feel like we played the toilet paper game sometimes <laughs> uh, that I give you a lot of shit for, but we probably were. I mean, our, our spend. I did not we were, stock up on toilet paper. We were definitely wasteful this year. I think as you start to scale up, you see just money bleeding out of cracks and you're yeah. like, whoa, why did we get that? Or why did we get that? And so... Um, one of the things we did recently is we, we hired a full-time purchaser and they're the only ones that can purchase for the company. Mm. Um, but that way, even if it's like we need scotch tape, Jason's the one that buys scotch tape. No one else goes to Menards or Home Depot or Lowe's to buy, you know, $7 blue tape or something like that. Um, so yeah, that, that was like a big eye opener, um, for us. What about you, Bruce? Uh, out of this list, uh, two people left who I think it was best for because they weren't ready for the next journey that we're on and just like how much more aggressive we want to get. Um, one specifically was just not a good fit. Uh, it was a designer that we hired. He was very talented. It was just we needed somebody who was a lot, had a lot more breath and he wanted to be very specific in, in what he was doing. So like just, you know, pixel design, we need somebody who's like in with the shops, working with shop owners, you know, like doing research and, and putting all this wireframes together and all that stuff. And so that was good. And there was definitely a sense of that coming. And, it, and it, I think it ended maybe three or four months in, which actually turned out better. Although I feel like we should have seen that a little bit better too and, and like, you know, pulled that out, but the interview process is a lot better now to sift through that. And then we had two underperformers, one that was around for about a year or so. And the other one was around for three, four months. So three, four months, um, she unfortunately just was not the right fit for what we were looking for. And to be honest with you, 
uh, I rushed that interview. So, um, you know, we were desperate. Uh, we were really, really desperate for that, for that role and just was not the best fit. And, you know, of course, Worcester, best of luck. She kind of knew it wasn't. We had some very, you know, open conversations, but that was unfortunate. The other one was non-performance, and we had let them go after a year and a half or something. Probably shouldn't have done it earlier, but, you know, it's more, it was an engineer, if I'm honest. So it's like, come on, come on, come on. We need, like, we need stuff. So... I, yeah, I think we. I, that's a good. I, I one. was definitely quicker to fire this year if it wasn't working, and I didn't think there was a success path. Mm-hmm. I just think I think uh, I think Brett says it like sometimes when you let someone go, you're doing it for them, for their well being too. You know, uh, did you did you work with them directly or no? Uh, some I but, worked with directly, some I didn't, and it was harder to cut the ones. I hung on to the ones that I work with directly longer. Same, same. That's okay. Okay. Cause I was about to say, this is the exact same thing where I was so much better seeing it when I heard from their manager, what was happening. And I said, I've seen this pattern before and I know it's not going to work out. So you can give it a go. You could put, you know, spend some time and they wanted to, and then eventually it didn't. Yeah. I think, when um when there's when you have some sort of like distance between that employee, letting them go is a lot easier, um, just generally speaking. And so I I let some key people go this year that were like there was some shock value there to and like people were like, oh, holy cow. Um, I think the one part I didn't like about it is it created a little sense of fear, and I don't want anyone to be working here out of fear. Um, that's not cool. So something I can definitely work on is, is employee. Like, did you pull the team not together a, after or no? Yeah. Usually when that happens, I do. And I call people individually and let them know like, Hey, it's not working out. You know, usually give people some severance and just let them know. Hey, I mean, I mean the rest of the team does on board. Yeah, yeah. 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 But I think the, you know, the weak point is we don't have a good like performance review system. We don't, you know, we're trying, um, but we don't warn employees properly or, is every employee on a, on a good career progression? Do they have a mentor or someone that can, you know, check their progress and check in with them? We just don't have that yet. And uh, as we scale and grow, that's been a, that's definitely something that will become more and more important and uh, be more of a thorn if I don't solve it for sure. Um, yeah. I feel like that's one of my, you know, it's so funny you say that. I was, uh, I was, maybe two nights ago I was thinking just about random software tools to build and work on. And one of them I was like, man, it is hard to just like, could I add a full year? Cause I wanted to set up a bonus program, but I wanted to do like X percent of your salary is if you, you are five out of five team member and then be able to measure that throughout the year and give the feedback and everything, but not also spend, uh, you know, arm and leg and an annual contract on a, on a program. But, all right. Anyway, I'm going off on a tangent. That was a pretty good episode, though. That was good. Uh, wait, can I end this on one note here to end 2021 here? Oh, boy. I got a quick note. Okay, so this is a – I subscribe to Harvard Business Review. It's a really cool magazine just to help you with leadership and tips and things. And they send a daily tip of the day that you can subscribe for. And I'll leave the link in the description for the for the full article, but – the title of it was Stop Solving All of Your Team's Problems. And I'm just going to read an excerpt. Your primary task as a leader is to build your team's capabilities. The next time you're tempted to solve a problem for your team members, stop yourself and turn into more of a learning opportunity instead. Set clear expectations, communicate what they're accountable for, and give the tools they need to succeed. Uh, have you thought about alternative approaches? What else would you do to sacrifice and not be able to, to jump in and just do it? Ultimately, your job is to build a team that can function without you. This is what will set you apart as a leader, not a doer. There it is. God 20, damn. 2021. Thank you, guys. Thank you guys so much for listening to 2021. What an awesome, awesome year it's been. We, there's, 
last time I looked at the analytics, it's anywhere between 30 to 35,000 listens to all of these videos combined now a month. And uh, it's been really, really great to hear your feedback. If you guys want to learn anything at all, please, please drop them in the comments below. I will haggle that person to come onto the show so you guys can be able to learn. And I will not stop until I, uh, this is getting creepy. We'll, we'll get them on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys. Appreciate you for listening to Pronounce's podcast. We'll see you in 2022. See ya. <laughs>